Welcome to the Canine Aptitude Podcast, where we give everyday solutions to the everyday dog owner. I'm Shayna. And I'm Emily. And today we are talking about resource guarding. So uh, we brought back our guests from two weeks ago. This is Tyler. Uh, he's going to be helping us with the beer today. I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, you just get to come on the show and drink beer with me. This is great. That's it's, like the best job ever. It's yeah. really just payment for the amount of times that I drag him to dog training sessions and make him stand around with distractions and right. stuff. So. <laughs> awesome. And today we're drinking Noda Brewery's uh, Jam Session. This is like a classic This is them. This is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. I know I, when I really Shane and I one. go out you know, to restaurants or whatever, this is what I get. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's always a good one. Oh, man. So good. All right. Well, enjoy yeah. your beer. I will. And... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about dog training. Sounds good to me. Have fun. Bye. All right, guys. Today we're talking about resource guarding, and we have an interesting blurb for you guys today. And she says, I have a Sheba in you who keeps growling anytime I try to take a bone from her or if I walk by her while she's eating. I'm pregnant, and I don't want this behavior to continue. Should I get rid of her, or can this behavior be trained out of her? Yikes. Yeah. And just from understanding the hormones of pregnancy and how much more serious things become and how much more pressing they feel to you, like this has to be taken care of now. now. Yeah, because you have um, like the ticking time bomb. Right. Really. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah. No, like you are like, I have, to, right, I have to do this because I'm not going to have time or I have to do this. And it becomes very, very intense very quickly. I can imagine how scary that was for her. So she definitely is afraid that it's going to happen to her baby sure that child crawling around on the ground so i can understand why she's reaching out and that's fantastic and i definitely want to and i think there might be a little bit of a disconnect when we say resource guarding because not everybody knows what that means sure i think that's also a little bit of a dog trainer term whereas other people just say my dog's growling right so what is resource guarding Resource guarding is a normal, natural behavior that dogs do. They do it as a way of telling a dog, human, other animal to move away from them from whatever they have at that moment. They have possession of that item and they say, this is mine and I would like you to move away. It is a distance increasing signal. So we call it resource guarding because they are guarding their resource. This is a very normal behavior. Humans do it all the time. If you go to a playground or a preschool with children, you will see children resource guarding all oh, the man. time. Yeah. <laughs> constantly. And they will do the exact same things that dogs do. And it's a way of saying, this is mine and I would like you to move away from it. I'm afraid you're going to take it or you're going to break it or you're going to do whatever you think you're going to do. I don't know. So I would just prefer that you move away. But in a resource guarding situation for a trainer, we need way more information. Right. This about, blurb was so tiny. Right. And <laughs> there is no to. information. We right. basically know that there's a dog and a bone and growling. But there is so much more information that we need to know to be able to assess anything about this dog. And we would never want to see. I would never walk into a house with this information and say, okay, let's set up a scenario Let's let her resource guard and see what it looks like. I don't ever want to see unwanted behavior. I don't need to see it. I know what it looks like. I don't need your dog to growl to know what a dog growling over a bone looks like. 
we needed to ask more questions. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we actually sent a message back to her and asked a few questions, and I'm going to read you her responses. So the first thing we asked is, does this dog have a bite history? And she said, no, but she has air snapped at me. Okay. Okay. Where is it occurring? So where is the growling occurring? And and she answered, only when she's eating or chewing in her crate. Mm. Super valuable information. Very. Uh, How old is the dog? And she replied, eight months old. Another really important piece. Rescue puppy or uh, a puppy that you've raised? And she said, it's a puppy that I have raised and it's from a breeder. And then we asked, how long has it been going on? And she said, growling started at six months old. What are you doing when she growls? I say no, and sometimes I pop her nose. My husband pinned her down and removed the item from her mouth once, but after that, she didn't want to go near him, so we just didn't do that again. Other low-level guarding. So, for instance, we, we asked specifics with this is is she running away from you when she does have something like a toy or you know something other than just food or bone or whatever when she's outside of her crate uh and she replied she does kind of freeze and run away from her sometimes she might go hide under something um to try to get away from her to so that she doesn't take the item and she does sometimes eat quickly whenever the owner approaches things like that so we asked pretty specific questions for that too i I did ask one more question what is the purpose of you taking away the bone or the item or the food or whatever she's growling at you about and she answered well i was told by my breeder to practice taking things away from her and i've been doing that ever since she was little ah yeah okay (laughs) so this oh my gosh so that compared to the first blurb like this gives us an entire picture now and i think the most important part of that is that the owner didn't know that all of those things were so important And that's why guarding needs professional oversight is because it's very difficult for a person with one dog in their home or two dogs in their home that have only had a couple dogs over their lifetime to know the important things to us. And as we go through this, you're going to find why we find these things so important, but they are incredibly valuable. They tell us so much about the dog. They tell us so much about how the relationship between the dog and the human are going. And We need to know these things during the assessment. We cannot just walk in and address growling. Absolutely not. We need to know why that growling is occurring. Remember, growling is a natural behavior that dogs will do. We cannot make it go away because if we make it go away, then that dog moves straight into biting the next time they're uncomfortable. Right. We love growling. I don't personally love being growled at because <laughs> A, that's scary, and B, I don't want a dog to feel like they have to growl at me to make me go away. I would prefer right. to do that earlier but growling is very 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 important communication that we need to respect and that we need to allow a dog to have in their repertoire of communication right and like Shana said we're looking at the entire dog so what is happening on the outside is definitely very very important but what's also happening happening in the environment what is the human doing in response to the growling what kind of help does the dog in i know this is an eight month old puppy but you know there could be some things going on internally as well that we would probably address is the dog stressed all the time is it getting enough sleep i mean there's a there's a lot of other questions that we would ask too that would be really important for this particular scenario right and other body language signals that are happening in the environment she actually did give us so you know i think that's also important so the dog is already giving us low level guarding 
in more open spaces. Right. So that means it's been going on for a long time. Yes. She just didn't really see it as a problem until it became more obvious and overt. Right. So, and it's only obvious and overt whenever the dog is in the crate, when it's trapped and can't right. get away. Exactly. <laughs> so it has no choice other than to fight, fight or right. flight. Yeah. Yep. So it would choose if it had the opportunity to yep. flee. But when it doesn't have that option, now we're seeing those more obvious ones that people are afraid of. We tend to ignore all of the low level ones because they aren't really scary to us. A dog right. running away isn't scary. A dog that is freezing and maybe looking at us out of the side of their eye isn't really scary. A dog that's growling, we are trained to believe that dog is aggressive or dangerous. So it makes us immediately say, whoa, something is going wrong when really something's been going wrong for a long time. Right. In the dog's mind, perception is reality and what they perceive in that moment is what's occurring to the dog and it's very serious in that moment you are a threat in that moment and they are fearful of you right it is not hey listen man i just really don't want to be bothered today it's i'm very afraid of you and i need you to move away because i can't for whatever reason maybe they have bad hips or maybe they are in pain or maybe they're very 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 tired or maybe they're just too stressed there's a lot of things that could cause that to happen and that's why this assessment is so important is because we can't really fix guarding. You can't really f make a dog feel better by making them feel worse. Right. You can't say, okay, well, I'm just going to correct the dog in this one scenario because you're just going to build another symptom somewhere else. Right. They're going to start yeah. guarding in a different room or under a different table or with a different person. Or maybe they stop with you, but then they start with the baby. Like it just, yeah. it's just mutating it because we're putting a Band-Aid on the problem. We don't want to put Band-Aids on dog problems. We don't want to work on just that one thing. We want to say, why is this happening and fix the root of the issue and with guarding there's so much root issue to address for sure it's the fear it's the stress that goes along with that scenario right and you know going back to our iq boost on reactivity versus aggression like we we will never ever be able to get the dog to stop growling we don't want the dog to stop growling and right. saying hey back off like that's not something that we would ever punish the dog for so we just don't want them to feel like they have to go to those right. lengths yep. to ask us Right. That's, and that's the key is I don't want to make a dog ever believe that they have to do that to communicate with me. Right. I want those communication signals to be fully intact in my dog. I just don't want them to use them on me. And that comes with connection and training. Yes. And they, trust. Right. Oh, they trust. won't feel like <laughs> they need to do that if we have connection, trust, safety, training, and they understand the predictability of these patterns. When I need something, I can walk up to you and ask for it. And they're not afraid of that because we do it all the time and I've trained it and they understand how it's going to work out in their favor. Right. You cannot build trust through punishment. Right. All right. So we've assessed the behavior and now we're going to move on to preventing this behavior from happening. The number one thing is stop taking things. Right. Just temporarily. <laughs> yeah. We understand that there are going to be times where you need to take something. I also urge you to think about, do you actually need to take that item? Because I think sometimes we get in this really like routine thing of it's just like, oh, they shouldn't have it. Let me just go grab it from them. Right. And we forget like sometimes do we actually need to? Would I create a battle for something that doesn't even need to be a battle for it? You know, right. like I sometimes you can just not take the item. Yeah. Now, does that fix it? No. We no, don't want to live in management. <laughs> no. We don't want to live in prevention. We want to fix. But number one thing is just stop taking things or Stop giving things that you feel you need to take. Right. Don't give an item that you are going to need to take back because it gets too small and now it becomes a choking hazard or 
it's a Kong and you want to take it before it gets a, it becomes a mess. Lay it on a towel, put them outside. There's a lot of things you can do to give them the item, but not have to take it. So be creative. There is, there's lots of options in that realm. And sometimes you could just not give it. Just, sorry, you just don't get bones for a little bit until we are in a better place. Yep. Have more trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a key thing to note here is going back to a couple of the questions that we asked. One of them, uh, she stated that she got advice from her breeder to take away things as a puppy. Right. Right. So this has created this pattern of, okay, puppy has something that they really enjoy. She has it in her mouth. She's having a blast. Mom comes up, takes it, puts it on the counter and dog goes, well, what the hell just happened there? Like, why did I have that thing? There was no purpose of you taking that away from me. So, in their mind, this has become a repeated pattern where person approaches, I lose item. Then person approaches, I tell them I don't like that and I don't want to lose my item and they take it anyway. Then person approaches, I more audibly say, I don't like that and they take it anyway, but now I get in trouble for it. So now it's a double whammy because I'm getting in trouble twice. I'm losing the item and now you're scaring me. So now I'm going to start to run away. But that's not solving the problem either because now you're chasing me, scaring me even more and more forcibly taking it. So it just becomes this constant breaking of connection every time. And it's not desensitizing the dog. It's actually sensitizing the dog to that situation. So now you just want to walk clear across your living room because you you don't even care about your dog. You just want to go turn on the lamp and your dog bolts because they think you're coming to take it. So think about how often this must have been occurring. (laughs) Especially yeah. with a puppy who puts so many inappropriate things oh in their my mouth. God. All so the things. If you weren't doing active, helpful things when they were a puppy, this is what they've developed right. from just history, experience alone. Yeah. And that's definitely where we would need to start to undo that. And this also proves that breeders are not trainers. <laughs> yes. Please do not listen to every single piece of advice that your breeder gives you. Right. Please. They are breeding dogs (laughs) and that is what they're knowledgeable about. Right. If they're giving training advice, you need to go research and make sure that that training advice is actually sound advice. It could be great advice. You can recommend and, or they can recommend to you a trainer right? or you can go research a trainer and go find one that works with that specific breed or that specific type of dog or maybe that specific thing you want to do with that dog. But don't just blindly trust training advice from your neighbor or your breeder or your dentist. Or your vet. Honestly. Or a vet. (laughs) Or your vet. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. Here are, and this is probably, I'm going to put this in prevention just because I feel like these things are so important. If you don't have a dog right now that guards, these things are going to be very important for you. Obviously, for this particular client, we would want to make sure that these things stopped ASAP because they're going to prevent more guarding or more negative reactions. But here are some typical approaches that people will do to their dogs to prevent guarding or to stop guarding, Mm -hmm. but are actually making guarding worse for the next time. Remember, it's the next time. It doesn't matter that you got that bone this time. It's the next time you need the bone that now becomes the issue. (laughs) So here are some typical approaches, and we want you to not do these things. Collar corrections or any type of yanking on the dog because they're associating the correction with you walking up to them. Right. So that's where we get a lot of hand bites because they think you're going for their collar to correct them. You're actually going for the bone and you get bit because they're expecting a correction. Um, Poking or using a foot to move your dog off the item. Standing or claiming an item by standing over top of it. Staring or growling at your dog, especially if you're getting down low to them. That is very dangerous, and I would highly, highly recommend against that. 
lifting them by their collar, grabbing their snout slash jaw. I've seen this where, you know, they straddle the dog and they grab their jaw and they yank it open and they rip the item out of the mouth. Will dogs tolerate this? Sure. And hey, that's what that right husband did, and they, right? Yeah. Right, they did. Yeah. And they'll tolerate it until they don't. Right. And you never know when that moment's going to come. And now you have a really, really serious problem on your hands. Right. Yep. Um, other things we don't want you to do. Alpha rolling them, pinning them on the ground in any capacity ever. Verbally eyeing them or any kind of noise that's meant to startle. That startle noise creates stress in the body, creates a little bit of a kick of cortisol. It just because, gave me stress. Yep. <laughs> Think <laughs> about you did if, that, I was like, oh God. If a teacher does that in a classroom, every kid just kind of snaps and goes, is it, is it me? Is it me? Oh no, it wasn't? Okay. Yep. But they now feel a little bit more uncomfortable in that room because somebody is verbally getting corrected. I mean, I mean, even in like Starbucks, if there's somebody like yelling at their kid or husband, I feel super uncomfortable yeah. just because oh, yeah. of the tone <laughs> of their voice. So you definitely want to stop that or any kind of other sharp scolding or sharp noises such as pet correctors, shake cans, water squirt bottles. All of these things are going to break connection and they're not going to fix your problem. It might fix it that one time, but again, Band-Aid. We don't want Band-Aids. We want to fix it. We want to make the dog feel better about our approach. I want to be able to sit and say, hey, dog, give me that thing. And they walk over and place it in my hand. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Let's just teach that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a much better solution. Right. Yeah. And I think with resource guarding, too, whenever you hire a trainer, if they're focusing on you being the boss, that is a trainer that you probably need to fire immediately. So being the boss over your dog and making them deal with the fact that you are going to be taking things from them all the time is not the way to go. And and I know that this is can be really divisive, but the reason that we're so specific about this is because they're putting you in danger yes. by doing that. Yes. You are going to be the one that lives with this dog. You're the one doing that work, not the trainer. Yeah. And they're putting you Man. in danger by giving you that advice. And so it is inappropriate, especially if your vet is giving you this advice or a neighbor is getting... They're not the ones that are putting their hands and face in a dog's face that is an animal would you do that to any other animal probably not so we need to make sure that the advice that you are taking is not putting you in danger and we are very specific about the advice that we give you does not put you in danger for that reason because we would never want a person to be in danger from their dog so if at any time you hear the word you know you need to control the resource or you need to have possession over it or you need to be the boss or you need to tell them that it's yours everything in this house is is yours and you are the dominant one any of those things are just signs that they're not fixing the real issue right. they're looking to just cause a dog to suppress their behavior and it will work initially but it's not going to work long term because you're not fixing it it's a power trip yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, power feels good and humans like yeah, it. Yeah, we love power. But eventually, it yeah. doesn't work long term. Right. So we're here to help you get action items where you can say, I can, I can do that today. And we would never suggest for you to walk up to your dog and put your face in their face and growl at them or bite their ear or grab and twist their collar. I have heard some horrid, horrid things yep. for resource guarding because people feel slighted. They feel like it's a, like, how dare you? Yeah. I gave that to you and you have the audacity? <laughs> you have a to... roof over your head. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you will not do this in my house. And it becomes this, like, us versus them. And really it's like, hey, listen, that dog is just having the time of its life with the peanut butter Kong <laughs> and just wants to finish it. That's all. Like, I mean, I'm really, really bad at guarding my food. 
my husband doesn't even like get fries off my plate. So, <laughs> and that's not when I'm pregnant. That's like all the time because I just really like my food and I want all the food that I put on my plate. So I'm not good at sharing when it comes to those types of resources. And so I would never expect that a dog should just blindly share with me just because I feel like I should be shared with. Right. We also, with prevention, just going back to a couple of actionable items that you can take away, is giving the dog a safe place to have chews. Because mm-hmm. if an eight-month-old puppy probably still needs to chew, right. <laughs> honestly. Yep. So uh, in order to do that, giving the puppy a safe zone to do that in without you encroaching on their space, mm-hmm. so that they can finish that without ingesting it too early or without you know, getting growly over you walking past. Like, they need to have a safe place to go to do those dog-related things, right? And even if the crate is the greatest option, maybe you shut the door to the bedroom that they're in so that you're not popping in and out because every time you do and they think you're approaching, remember, even if they're not growling, you're worrying them just being in the room. So maybe you give them a safe space to do it and a safe chew that you don't have to take away that you can just open the crate and when they walk away from it, then you can take it. We just don't want to cause the, the unwanted behavior. Sure. So that's our goal with that safe space, is that they feel comfortable eating it and we don't need to intervene. The last thing is be aware of what you're giving as a chew. Don't give something you're gonna need to take away. Don't give them you know, this great item and then be like, ah, actually it's too small now, I'm gonna have to take it away. Yeah. Or now oh. you're eating pieces of it, so I have to take it away. Yep. Or <laughs> I gave you that thing to chew before, but now I don't want you to chew it. <laughs> so now I'm gonna take it away. Or I gave you a sock to chew, but not that sock. So I'm gonna take that sock away from you, but not this sock. How confusing. Right. So we just <laughs> yeah. wanna be aware that what they have available to them are things we do not need to touch. Right. If they have it, it's theirs. Simple as that. A really common one that I see with this is bully sticks. So straight, you know, six inch, 12 inch, whatever, bully sticks. My personal dog, Pete, the puppy, the hound dog, he will eat a bully stick all the way down so there's about, you know, one fourth of it left and then he'll swallow it. So we've stopped giving him straight bully sticks. <laughs> you know, there's a great new product out oh, yeah. that you screw the bully stick into the thing so they can't get that last little piece. They can only chew it as small as... The, yeah. the the toy allows them to get and then it leaves and then you just unscrew the piece and take out the little tiny piece of the bully stick and throw it away. We'll put that link in the show notes yeah. for you if you need that. <laughs> what I also started to do with bully sticks because my dog swallowed one way long time ago that and it was like a six inch bully stick um, is you can shove them inside of a Kong mm-hmm. so that they have to chew both ends first before they can get it out. And that worked for a long time with my dogs until they got smart enough to just pull it out of the Kong. And then we <laughs> stopped doing that. But um, They also have braided bully sticks, spiral mm-hmm, bully sticks. Mm-hmm. So there's other types of bully sticks too that you can look into. But then again, like there are a lot of other chews that your dog can have that you, you can just avoid bully sticks altogether. Right. Yeah. Oh, super simple. Pull up, stop leaving all of the bones all over the place. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just (laughs) stop having them laying all over the ground. Have them up and away so that when you do give your dog one, you're controlling where they're going with it, how they're chewing, and how long they're going to have it. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. So we can just, instead of having it all over the place where you're like, okay, well, now my dog's lying in the one exit I have with their toy, and I know they're going to guard it. I can't get out of my own living room. Well, you... That we created that problem yep. because we didn't take away these high value items. So make sure that you're controlling those by taking them away so that they don't have opportunity to guard them. So we assessed. 
which part of that was with the owner's help, which it normally is with a client, but definitely we needed to know that it was a fear response and the body language that was going on and all the patterns and history. The second thing, prevention. Talked about all the things that we can do. Safe space, be aware of what you're giving as a chew and stop taking things in general. And the last thing is teach. And there's a little bit of a disclaimer here because if your dog is air snapping at you or threatening you with teeth, or there are children in the house, you need to have a person in your house doing these exercises with you. Yes. Because just like this client didn't see guarding until it was growling, there are chances that you could be working on this at home, not realizing you're creating more guarding, and now you have a situation where a kid got bit because you were trying to work on it yourself. Right, and going too fast. Right. Yeah, or doing it incorrectly. There's a lot of low-level stuff that a dog will do before growling so it's not it's not as easy and it's it's helpful to have a watchful eye that can see some of this body language so the first step that we do with teach is you need to find out where your dog's threshold is for that situation so Mm. let's take Mm. one scenario okay we're gonna take i give my dog um a bone it's Mm -hmm. a really great bone maybe it's a bully stick and they take it to the middle of the living room and they lay down Well, how close can you get to that dog before they start slowing down their chewing and start watching you? That is the first step that you are making them uncomfortable. And that might happen at 30 feet away. They're already watching you. Or maybe they're chewing as they follow you around with their eyes. So maybe you can't even get far enough away for them to happily chew without paying attention to you because they're so concerned about where you're going and what you're doing and if you might take this item from them. So we need to know this dog's threshold. And threshold is something you should always know for your dog. Threshold is when they go from seemingly okay and able to handle it, feeling safe, to no longer thinking, no longer logical, basically survival mode of how do I fix this situation I need to get out? And they're, they're just a reacting being. So it's, it's this invisible line between thinking and reacting. Mm-hmm. And remember, we want dogs in thinking mode all the time because that's how we teach them most effectively. Right. So we need to know this dog's threshold because if you start this training at five feet away, but your dog is feeling uncomfortable at 30, you're yeah. not going to make any progress. Yeah, no progress. <laughs> so we need to make sure that our sessions are set up in a way that make our dog feel safe Rather than just making it, ah, mom's coming. Yeah, she has some good stuff, but she's really, really close to me and it's super uncomfortable for me. Right. We don't want to make their training feel uncomfortable for them. And we also so, don't want to get to the point where we feel like we need to correct them or right, test them. Right, exactly. Yeah. We want to make sure we're building a different behavior. We're not just pushing them until we see behavior we don't like and then trying to tell them, hey, that's the thing I didn't like. Right. It was okay before, but that's the thing I didn't like because... Nobody wants to be told they're wrong while they're learning. It takes away from their desire and motivation to be right. When you find that threshold, usually the first thing that I teach people is how to incorporate a very easy game into, into the dog's feeding times. So the dog is eating out of a puzzle toy or a bowl. We, we like puzzle toys <laughs> or a slow feeder or something like that. And let's say that you found out that your dog's threshold, so they're pretty comfortable whenever you're at six feet. So maybe start at eight feet away from your dog. And I typically teach walk to that eight feet mark and then toss something high value into their bowl. 
or even around their bowl. Right. Doesn't to, even you don't even have yeah. to be good at tossing. No. <laughs> it's just the act of you approaching and good things happen. Amazing stuff and not just more kibble, but like a hot dog or cheese mm-hmm. or something more higher value than their kibble. Right. Typically what I see, especially for a, a, a more mild case, is that the dog goes, Well, screw this kibble, I'm gonna go get that hot dog that mom and has. And they just start watching you. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Now I will say, again, just reiterating this. If you have a dog that's severely growling or has air snapped or has a bite history, I again, I would have two levels of safety with this. So have a gate, have a leash tethered or something because I'll tell you a really quick story. I had a German Shepherd, white German Shepherd client that I visited and we were playing this game. We found out that the threshold was probably about 10 feet. However, I walked up about maybe 12 feet away. I tossed cheese towards the dog and the dog saw my arm moving and immediately ran at me, got about two inches away from my chest, bared its teeth and barked and growled. And it was a German Shepherd. And I was, I peed my pants. <laughs> so I did not put the, and this was, this was a, a while ago. So this was before I had, you know, the, the knowledge of like, oh, you should probably have safety in place. <laughs> um, hey, you learn to put safety in place when you get threatened by a dog. Right. Yeah. And the other piece of that is that I didn't have I didn't have the information that I would ask now. Like as a trainer now, I would ask all these questions. I didn't have that information from the owner. Right. I, I thought it was a mild case and it was not a mild case. Well, and a lot of times that's what the information that the client is giving. Yeah. It sounds mild. Right. And then when you get in there, you realize, whoa, or you give them an exercise and it does not work. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize how serious this was. We need to start way, 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 way back. Yeah. So, Again, that's why resource guarding can be so tricky. It's because a lot of times there's a lot of pieces going on that you aren't even aware of. Yeah, moving hands. Like, come right. on. Like, I didn't right. know that. Sometimes it can just be <laughs> yeah. eye contact. They're okay with the moving contact. hand, yeah. but it was Smiling. because you were standing oh. straight at them and looking at them instead of standing obliquely. Right. That can cause the reaction. So yeah. lots of different body language pieces that go into this. For sure. So tossing high-value food, tr- basically training your dog uh, to notice that you're walking up to them and then providing something amazing Essen- instead of taking things away. Essentially, they have a belief system right now that when you approach, bad things happen. Even if sometimes some good things happened, they remember the bad things. They yeah. remember that something might happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but it could be bad. So when we want to change that belief to when mom approaches, good things happen every time and nothing scary ever does. That's how we change their brain. And if we can change Mm. their brain to believe that, we won't see this behavior anymore because they won't feel the need to do it because they're feeling good. You approach and they pick their head up off that item and say, what do you have? Oh, what you got? You got something good? Oh, you want me to drop that? No problem. You probably have something good for me. Oh, you want me to move over there? Okay, no problem. <laughs> like They're yeah. just so willing and compliant to do what we're asking because they feel good in the situation rather than, uh-oh, I don't know, uh-oh, what's she doing with that hand? Uh-oh. And the whole thing is this, I'm super uncomfortable. I would just, I would just want to move away. Right. That is what we're changing. We're changing their emotional response to the scenario. Other things that we can do is we can teach, and this is for some mild cases where the dog is just uncomfortable with having things taken, even in like a fetch scenario. The dog just doesn't, the the dog (laughs) wants the ball in his mouth and you keep trying to take it and toss it 50 yards away from it. He's like, like, dude, I don't want to run after it. I just want to have it in my mouth. (laughs) So what we can do is we can practice trade games where 
I give you something and you give me something. We do that back and forth and back and forth. And at first, maybe it's I trade for steak and I'm getting a wood chip back. You know, <laughs> it's not going to be very fair to us. It's just looking at it from a dog's perspective. But eventually it might be ball for a ball. Eventually it might be a kibble piece for that super delicious um, random chicken wing they found on mm. the side of the road. So we just want to get in this this concept to them that trading is no big deal that not only do we trade but then a lot of times you get the same item back that i Ooh. just took so instead of a double whammy it's a double win exactly <laughs> not only is me releasing things to you earn me good things but then i get back the thing i originally had yeah i love this game i want to give you things you know how many times i've fixed a stealing puppy by just rewarding them for bringing me their stolen items you know how easy <laughs> yeah. that is? Instead of chasing a puppy down, you just say, hey, puppy, come on over. Thanks. And you trade for something and then you shove whatever they had that they shouldn't have had down into the couch cushions. <laughs> <laughs> so like you just take it away like, oh, thanks for bringing that to me. Because that's so much easier and you're building connection. You're building positive. I do that with my toddler. You know, yeah. like, oh, you found that? Thanks. Can I have it? Great work. And then I take it and I put it away. Right here where you can't have it. <laughs> right. Those trade games work with humans just as they work with dogs. Uh, one more piece with the trade game, too, that I love about this is that teaching that, okay, yes, you can come over to me and you can drop that thing out of your mouth. Thank you so much for finding that. I appreciate you finding that sock under the couch. Uh, and you give them something in return. A lot of the times for me, I find that as communication as well. So my dog was actively trying to find something to put in his mouth. This is this, ha this is my older dog, Jack. <laughs> so he goes and he goes into the laundry basket in our, in our room and he just grabs a random item and he brings it to me and drops it immediately. So he doesn't even like hold it and chew it or whatever. He brings it to me, drops it and goes, okay, what are you gonna give me now? Because, and that, I love that. And you may think that it's like that's, a search and rescue dog. I know. <laughs> but and you may think that it's bad. Be, I'm putting air quotes. Bad behavior. But I think it's great because it's communicating to me that I need to give my dog something to do. Right. Yeah. He's bored. Okay. Let me go get you. He's something, finding buddy. a game. Yeah. That pays off for him. <laughs> right. That's what dogs do all day long. They find things that pay off for them. Yeah. So if you can create a scenario where your dog is still communicating without, you know, running away, growling at you or sna snapping or hiding or doing anything, just teach the dog to bring that thing to you and then you'll provide awesome things for it to mm -hmm. do instead that are appropriate. And I love that. I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's just communication. Something that we had touched on previously, but I think is really important for the touch piece is lowering overall stress. And this is a little bit less teach and almost more in the prevention, but there's so many things you can oh, do yeah. mm -hmm. with, with the stress piece that fall into this category that has to happen at the same time as the teaching is going on. My one dog, I know where her stress level is just based on if she is guarding things. And remember, guarding is normal. It means nothing. It just means that she's feeling uncomfortable. But I can tell based in how quick she is to give the side eye to my other dog where her stress levels are. Is and it the one chewing right now? It's the one the chewing on the bone. Can, you probably yeah. can hear that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I, I tried to move her away and she decided to come back. That's okay. So <laughs> when you lower that stress, you'll find that they have a lot of a larger threshold or they have way more time before they move into resource guarding land. Right. So, and one of the things that we can do just for stress in general is those stress vacations that we talked about last episode but minimizing our reactions to their guarding, minimizing our reactions to a growl, minimizing our yelling in the household. How many times are you yelling your dog's name? How many times are you yelling your toddler's name? 
I have seen many people that maybe they don't really scold their toddler, but they're yelling at their dog all the time. And then when they say things to their toddler, because it's about the same kind of language, their dog is responding to those things. You know, they say stop to the toddler and the dog kind of cowers. So we have to remember that they're exposed to us all the time. And so we can minimize a lot of things that happen around our house noises the way that we react the how you know how loud our house is all of those things kind of create a little bit of chaos for our dogs and if we can minimize some of that you're going to see a lot less guarding in general right and then something else we can teach obviously easy one easy peasy right drop yeah drop it just drop it okay (laughs) well people are like i've been teaching my dog that for six years and they still don't have it (laughs) what you need to do for drop the most powerful way to teach a drop is to teach them to ready their mouth for something else. They're not losing a resource, they're gaining a resource, okay? You don't don't wanna teach a drop that teaches a dog that by removing this thing from your mouth, you lose it. That is not a game they will ever want to play. They right. want things in their mouth all the time, whether it's food or toys or chewing or whatever. So for a drop, you need to have that double bonus system. They were winning and then they win again. So not only, did you get something good for dropping that item, but then you got the item back. So it's the same concept, but you're doing it more specifically with the word drop. So the way that I teach drop, and I've I've dabbled in a lot of different ways over the years, but the way that I found that is the most consistent is to actually not use the actual word drop because people feel very controlling. Drop it, yeah. Drop it, and <laughs> right it becomes now. like this really mean word. So yeah. we say something else, and first just to change that up, but, I use that word and I become a robot. When that word is said, my hand drops food. So it's a word for me, not a word for the dog. Uh (laughs) And so I just approach wherever the dog is and I say the word and I drop a handful of food anywhere around them. And they release the item out of their mouth because, hey, there's sprinkles of chicken around me. And they clean up the chicken and they go back to chewing. And then I do it again. And so remember, I'm approaching, good things are happening. And soon I approach and I say this word and they spit out things so fast out of their mouth because they're like, (laughs) wait, I got to get ready for chicken. And they spit it out and they're waiting for what you have. Yeah. And then we build in, I say the word, I touch the item and then you get the item back. And we always build in that they get the item back because I don't care about taking the item. Maybe I take it one time out of 10 or 15 because it's something they can't have. But if you're managing well, you won't need to be taking items all the time. Yeah. It's just practicing the word. So I've the things that I've had my dog drop on cue is incredible. Like things that she's found, like chicken wings, whole chicken wings in her mouth. I'm like, <laughs> what do you have? What did you find? I ask her to drop it. If, if I can give it back to her, I always do. A lot of times on walks, I can't, and I give her something else. But one time she had a large loaf of bread I don't know. She found a loaf of bread on the, side, find of, a loaf of bread? on the side of the road and she was ingesting it. It was going down the pipe and she basically half regurgitated it to get it out of her mouth. And she stared expectantly at me and I didn't even have anything on me. And I just looked at it and went, oh, it's just bread. Take it. And she <laughs> went back to eating it. And I was like, what a great little practice there. And now if I had to take it, I would have taken it. And then we would have went inside and I would have found something for her to treat. I would have still rewarded her for doing the activity. It just would have had a little bit of a delay. Right. So, But teaching those things in a very, very, very positive, motivating way is going to make your dog love dropping rather than, ugh, why are they always asking me to take things? Why are they always taking things from me? Right. 
Give, give, give. Be a giver. Remember? Yeah. Be a giver. Be a giver. (laughs) Be be a giver. Yeah. And we'll put a a note about how to teach drop or a video about how to teach drop into the notes for you guys. Another thing that we would teach is a touch. So a touch is probably something that a lot of you are already teaching your dog, which is where you are having your dog come up to your empty hand. So just a flat palm and they're touching your nose to your hand. So why does this involve resource guarding how can this be used in resource guarding well you can use touch to get your dog to come away from something that they're chewing on so for instance if your dog is chewing on a bone or is something that they like or even if they just find something on the ground you can ask for that touch they can come touch your hand and then you can either give them something away from that thing to pick it up and put it away or you can say okay now you can go back to that thing so teaching your dog that moving away from high value items or items that they could possibly possibly guard is also still valuable. Another thing that you could do is just a kissy noise, a positive interrupter. Sure. Yeah. Um, we want the dog to learn that coming away from things doesn't always mean they lose them, but sometimes we might call something away and then say, hey, can you go pick up XYZ over there because so-and-so had it, or you, you, know, you just hang on to them with their collar, or you just say, come on over. <laughs> My dog stopped chewing <laughs> yeah, <she did. laughs> and you know, send them outside and then you go take care of the item. And that's helpful for like dropped things. You know, you dropped an entire sauce jar and they're licking the sauce and they're going to guard the sauce now, but the sauce is on the ground and you can't move the sauce. So you need your yeah. dog to come away from the sauce and there's glass in the sauce and it's a giant debacle. Hey, I need the dog to move away and right. I need to manage them. So go outside dog. How do you get your dog away from that? Your positive interrupter, calling them away, not scolding them for licking the sauce, but calling them away and then removing them from the situation so you can go take care of it. It's going to be a much better option than trying to grab their collar and drag them away from it. Love it. And the last piece is to make sure that your dog has a medical workup if there's something that has changed drastically. If your dog seemingly was, you know, okay with things and then all of a sudden is having really bad guarding, I've seen two specific cases where a dog had a hip injury that they didn't know. And the Mm. reason why he started guarding was because he no longer could flee. Ah. So the hip was hurting. I don't want to move away. I can't get up. So I'm just going to guard instead. And then the second one had a tooth issue. I think it was like a cracked tooth or there was some kind of tooth abscess situation. And the tooth was creating pain. The pain was creating stress. And then adding the stress of person coming in, trying to grab and take this from me, maybe playing tug with it is hurting me. I don't want you to be anywhere near me. For um, the last personal story that I have, and this is also a little bit of what not to do, because a lot of a lot of resource guarding is what to stop doing from our human side. Right. I once had a dog that was really, really, really fast and sneaky, which we know from past episodes is from punishment. Really, really fast and sneaky at stealing food off the counter, mm. but would run under the table. And once under the table there was very little hope that you were getting that back. And there was a situation where the dog had a a corn on the cob. Oh no. And the issue, I honestly don't really care if the dog ate the corn on the cob because I'm not gonna cause a problem over the corn on the cob. My concern was swallowing the corn on the cob because this dog was ingesting things rather than like chewing them and eating them. But the real issue came when I said, hey, look what I have, and I went and I got lunch meat. And when I went to hand the dog the food, she considered that a trick 
because of how often they had traded with food but taken the item mm. rather than doing the give back method. Right. So to her, if you're offering me something, you're going to take it and I'm going to guard more fiercely because I know this game. You're trying to steal it from me. Oh you're gosh. trying to be all sweet. Here, look what I have. And then you're going to take it from me the minute I let down my guard. The minute I think about putting it down, you're going to snag it out of my mouth. So think about mm. how little trust she had where she can't even trust a hand coming at her with a handful of meat. Yeah. Oh. And <laughs> this dog guarded anything that was in her mouth. It didn't matter what it was. It wasn't always food. It was a lot of times like baby toys and cups and plastic items that she was going to destroy. So, of course... They, you fall into this trap of taking all the time because they have so many inappropriate items. So remember, if that's you, if you feel like you're on this, well, yeah, but if they didn't put all these things in their mouth in the first place, if I could just scold them enough before they get them in their mouth, I try to say no before they put it in their mouth, then we wouldn't have this issue. But you also wouldn't have the issue at all if you taught them what to do once the issue is there. So that's where the benefit of teaching them before the issue starts. Preventing resource guarding by not causing issues and making sure that you're building an emotional response where your dog loves you walking by when they have something high value. I just do that just whenever I give my dog something high value, I purposely go find something in the fridge that I can just walk up, drop next to them and walk away just for good practice so that they know me walking up is not anything to be concerned about. And they're like eight, I think, this year. And I still do that. And I've done it since I've had them. So it's always good practice to build those emotional responses so that they stay strong. And I'm, I just got reminded of a quote from Dr. Amy Cook, who said, when you teach your dog what to do, you teach your dog what to feel. And this is so important for this particular behavior because it may seem like you're not really teaching a whole lot. So you're you're approaching your dog and giving food, taking his new way, put, putting it back in front of them. Like it doesn't maybe even feel like it, you're doing a whole lot, but you are doing a ton internally for that dog saying, oh my gosh, my mom is approaching me, my dad is approaching me and good things are happening and I get that thing back. So by teaching what to do, you're essentially also not only building that emotional reaction, but you're you're teaching them what not to do. Right. Because they don't feel the need to do those things if they feel good in that scenario. And they're going to feel good if you teach them what to do because they want right. to win. Your dog wants to be right. Right. They just don't know how to be right right now. And you're also building trust. Right. Right. And building trust is a long game. It is, you are specifically looking for building trust every day. Are you building trust? Or are you breaking trust? Because that... Those two things, everything you do with your dog, you can put into one of those two camps. Are you building trust or are you breaking trust? Because if you continually break trust in these little tiny pieces, you're going to lose it. And it's a lot easier to lose than it is to gain. Okay, so we have assessed, we have prevented, and we have taught new behaviors. Uh, we're going to reiterate this, I think, for like the 15th time. If your dog is showing their teeth, has a bite history, has air snapped, ha I mean, any type of, of really kind of scary behavior that you've seen, contact a trainer, and that is always going to be in the show notes, a link to find a trainer in your area. And there's going to be a ton of show notes for you as well about how to teach new behaviors that you want. Yeah, and keep in mind, guarding is super common, and it's something that oh. a lot of people deal with. Yes. It, for some reason, when people talk about it, it's like this taboo. They're kind of embarrassed that it's happening. Yep. 
it's totally normal guys. Like it's a normal thing that happens. And sometimes you guys just get on the wrong communication wavelength and you just need somebody to help you get back on track. So don't be embarrassed, ask for help, figure out the, the root of your dog's issue and go from there. And one more thing too is just from a trainer perspective, whenever I adopted my dog, Jack, who's my weirdo, uh, he was eight months old and already had a bite history for resource guarding. And I heard that and I said, oh, I can deal with that. That's fine. <laughs> like that's, and that for me, I think resource guarding is one of the, I wouldn't necessarily say easy, but it's definitely one of the more easy things to teach depending on the dog that you have. And he was growling at me within like seven feet. And now, like the other day, I literally walked by him while I was eating and I pet him. And he didn't do anything. He looked up, he wagged his tail, and he went back to eating. So, again, like building that trust over years and years and years has... I, I've worked really, really hard at that. And right. he's he's great. He's awesome now. So, yeah. It, it might feel like you're taking like the long road because you're like, I just want them to stop. Right. I don't oh. want to go back to throwing food at six feet. Like sometimes people get so annoyed when that's my recommendation. They're like, but I just need it to stop. I don't care that he feels uncomfortable. I just need him not growl. Yeah. And that's how people go too fast. Right. And (laughs) you're, you're thinking in short game. You're thinking, you know, this week, I'm thinking the next 10 years with your dog. You know, do you want to be battling this for 10 years? Do you want to be yelling at your dog, pinning your dog, throwing them outside, not being able to get things back, taking them to the vet and spending thousands of dollars to have things removed from their stomach? No. Especially with a toddler coming on. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So um, in these cases, prevention, you know, what is that? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yep. So, so, so much. So if your dog has no guarding issues right now, that means you need to start working on actively preventing it. If your dog does have guarding issues, follow some of these things in here and you're going to see a big difference. Awesome. All right, and we will see you next time. Adios.